Hi, everyone, and welcome to this is going to be the second episode of AbbeyCast. I'm Amy Weston, your host, and I use she, her pronouns. And you can find me on the internet on Twitter at Deep Space Amy. Mm-hmm. Uh, with me, I have a very good friend, Emily. Um, my name is Emily Rogal. I am a first-year MDiv at Harvard Divinity School with Amy. Um, you can catch us talking about Judith Butler all the time around school. Um, and I use she, her pronouns. Um, and uh, you can find me at, uh, on Instagram if you would like. Um, my account is Rogality Check or on Medium. Um, and it's just Emily Rogal. Awesome. Thank you very much. I guess let's just get right into it. This is a podcast about spiritual practice, um, sort of widely interpreted. Mm-hmm. And I know that that means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Um, so what would you say that your spiritual practice is? What do you do in order mm-hmm. to feel close to the divine? Oh, yeah. Just a you know, simple question to kick it off. Um, so I guess in order to answer that, I have to give a little bit of background. I came from uh, or I come from a family that is my father is Roman Catholic and uh, very devout and my mom is Jewish and I'd say the the value the most aligns with her is um, probably the ideas of Sadaka or charity and Tikkun Olam which is repairing the world and um, they both uh, decided to raise my sister and I as Catholic and Jewish um, and so I grew up, uh, I was baptized and I had a baby naming ceremony and I had a communion and I ended up having a bat mitzvah and, um, obviously it was a little confusing. Um, but I think that what that showed me and what that's translate to translated to now is I, I try and really find, um, the divine wherever I can and however I can. I, I think that there's a little bit of tension with, um, with the idea in Judaism, um, and I, I, I identify as a as a religious Jew now, um, and so I'm I'm kind of happy to talk about that. But I think I'm I'm trying to kind of make uh, I'm trying to have this process of making my um, feelings of the divine be seen through Judaism and and vice versa, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like within that, I guess within that paradigm of being a religious Jew, then. Um, is there, so like, what does, what does the practice of that look like? Yeah. Um, I think that the most spiritual part of Judaism for me is, is time and the idea of sacred time and the idea that, um, we, we live in different time streams, you know, that today is, um, November 10th, 2017, but it, there's also a, a correlation to that in the Jewish calendar. And, um, tonight it will be the Sabbath. And in that time, we enter into a holy space, um, that is concluded on Saturday night, um, when there are three stars in the sky with a ritual called Havdalah. And Havdalah is always a very, emotional ritual for me because um, we it, it's very bittersweet for me it's a very um, bittersweet ritual because we are separating holy time from um, I don't know I from I, I would almost say mundane time but I think that I really do believe that we can find holiness at all times so I'd say from the holiest time to other holy kinds of time and 
when we do that, we also recognize that there comes a responsibility with that. We wonder kind of in the, in the liturgy of the ritual, um, we, we sing to Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah the prophet, and wonder if this will be the week that the Moshiach or the Messiah comes. Um, and that's um, a very complex idea that lots of different Jews have different ideas of. Um, but I think that that trying to mark time for me is something that's really important and emotional. So thinking about time is, is, is bringing up this, this thing that I always think about um, in terms of practice, which is um, – which is transformation, um, and especially in these in these ancient traditions, and um, and 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 like the the what you said about you know will this be the week um, really got me thinking about like like how is the practitioner transformed in in a time stream that mm-hmm. is. Um, that is unchanging or is it unchanging? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, con- it's really confusing. I mean, I'm even thinking about Rosh Hashanah, which is the beginning of the Jewish year, um, which is funny to kind of ha- say Happy New Year or um, Lishana Tova on, in September. Um, and there's this kind of duality where we understand that it's not just that it's the world's birthday, but the entire world is being created. And, and when you go... But when you go outside, there's still billboards and cars and it's it's not – there is really no such thing as a clean slate. So I think being able to hold that that tension is something that I think is really important, I, I think, as a spiritual practice of acknowledging that um, when you're in a holy space or holy time, it doesn't necessarily mean that the outside world vanishes and that there are still responsibilities that mm-hmm. lay outside. Um, and I think – you know, I'm somebody who really is kind of like a geek for ritual. And I think ritual is the time, is a time when you are invited into a space and a time of transformation. So I'm thinking about that space of transformation mm-hmm. now. So I'm wondering, I guess, how you feel you are trans, like what, what do you go from being to being mm-hmm. when you enter into this space? Yeah. So I would, this is a very, um, annotated and shortened version, but basically a long time ago in the times of, of the temple, um, long time ago, the, there was the, there was the temple and I described the temple as like the ethernet of Judaism. Um, yeah. like that was the only way that you could kind of like plug into God was through this prescribed series of, of sacrifices. And so that was kind of the, the way that you, that was, that was practice. I mean, practice mm-hmm. at, in a nutshell. Um, and then when the temple was destroyed first and then um, a second time by the Romans in 70 um, CE, the most of the Jews were expelled from Jerusalem. And so in the diaspora, there became this question of, well, how do we get Wi-Fi? Like, how do, <laughs> how do we connect to God um, outside of this place where – um, where we could talk to God. Um, and so there d- became, that's kind of where the, the real work I think happened in Judaism and how it, this thing we know as Judaism became Judaism through this series of, um, well, how do we substitute sacrifice? You know, how do we connect to God, um, without the space where we can normally connect to God? So I think that's, I mean, a major theme of Judaism is the idea of, of, of obligation of a, and of prescription and of you do this at a certain time because this is what you have to do. And, um, 
So it's, the, I mean, something I struggle a lot with is um, the idea of kind of like extemporaneous prayer, like where the space is for that. And I've, mm-hmm. I'm kind of working through that. But um, I mean, the, the question that I've really been wrestling with is, so the, the rabbis and the rabbinic authorities created a series of texts um, that are kind of known as a category called uh, the Talmud. And the Talmud contains lots of fun stuff. It contains midrashim, which I always call rabbi fan fiction, and it contains um, laws and rules and stories about cool rabbis. And it's basically like the project of Judaism, of trying to create something from the rubble of the temple um, and sustain something. But the problem then, I mean, through, so I work a lot in in feminist Jewish work, and and I define feminism as a, a liberatory practice of bringing in people who were not considered by the rabbis because the rabbis were a bunch of old dudes and sometimes their wives, like, in a specific context. But Judaism has kept going and kept growing, and there are bodies that weren't included. So um, something that was really important to me was um, I I was a mikvah guide for several years with um, an organization called Immerse NYC, and the mikvah is this – oh, do I have – a problematic relationship with that thing is this ritual bath that was prescribed by the rabbis in the Talmud for a number of things, but mainly for women who had completed. So they're talking about cis women who are married to cis men, because that's really the only idea of marriage the rabbis had, who once they completed their menstrual cycle, due to the laws of impurity um, found in Leviticus, they had to go and and immerse themselves in this collection of rainwater so that they could be pronounced tahara or pure so that they could have sex with their husbands. So the mikvah is this actual site of transformation, of moving from a state of tumah or ritual impurity to a state of tahara or tahor and ritual purity. And so what this organization, Immerse NYC, which is headed by this incredible rabbi, Sarah Luria, and inspired by um, Maim Chaim, which is a um, feminist mikvah um, in in Boston, actually, um, is this idea of but the, the, there are experiences that, that require rituals of transformation that the rabbis didn't even think about. Miscarriages, divorces, gender transitions, all of these things that the mikvah is this tool that we have where we understand that you go in one way and you come out another way. And it's not – and so the question becomes like, how elastic is the tradition and how and how much spaciousness does it have where we can actually – bring in those experiences of transformation. So I think for me, that's, that's the question is more so like, not so much like how, like, how are we transformed, but like who is allowed Mm. to be transformed and for what, and like what, how do we make experiences become canonized and a part of the tradition too? The the mystic in me wants to be like, I mean, just do it, right? Like, yeah, do, I mean, does that's it need me to, too. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, I mean, but it's it's a it's a problem of also like who gets to decide what real ritual is, right? Like, and who the authority is, and I think you know people are are hesitant in my experience to admit that you know religions I I think are meant to be all you know all included packages. And so to say, well, what about this person or this experience you forgot implies that there's an imperfection in the tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I view that because I'm also a twin mystic that I that I view that as as an opportunity rather than something that, you know, should make us afraid. But 
I don't know. It's I don't think that's a I don't think that's a view that's shared with everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, if you'll allow me to back up a minute, yeah. Because um, now I'm thinking about like 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 how people enter into traditions and like who's allowed to enter into traditions yeah. and 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 all of and all of the the baggage that goes with that. And I th- I um, to like bring it back to your yeah. story. Yeah. Um, I think like so. What is it? You said you were raised Jewish and Roman Catholic. Yeah. Um, and so what is it that you get spiritually from Judaism that draws you to that tradition and to that to that practice? It's so funny because um, I'm really haven't been comfortable talking about this yet because I think I, I mean, as I grew older, um, I and I, I, I was first in a space when I was younger where all tradition really bothered me. And I was like a hot topic scene queen going to warp tour where I was like, all time low is my religion. Like, that's what it is. Um, you know, fallout boy is my rabbi, um, is my rabbinic court. Um, and, and I, and so then it was only really in high school through my involvement in, in a youth group called BBYO, um, where I, really became connected to Judaism. And then I went through this process of where I thought I had to totally denounce all of the Catholicism in me. Um, but it's it's still there. And so, some of the most religiously profound people in my life, particularly the most religiously profound women, are, are the Catholic women in my family. I have an incredible godmother whose faith moves me. And, um, and I think it's I don't know how to explain it. I know that Judaism is is the toolbox that I have and and that I want to use. But I, I mean, there's still something. I don't personally do this practice, but there's something about, you know, praying the rosary that is, I don't want to say normal, but it, it is normal to me, and it's it's a it's another way of connection and of connecting. And so I, um, I, I don't I don't fully know, and I think that's going to be part of my project is really articulating why Judaism Mm -hmm. but it feels like it's it's in my blood and not necessarily from like a tribalistic way but I mean one of my great teachers Catherine Kurz always talks about how these cycles like the Jewish calendar like it lives inside of us you know that like during the time of Passover like there's something that's that's triggered inside of us to to want to move forward in in something and like how in touch I think for me a spiritual practice is trying to recognize the the connection between the calendar and the time again with what's happening inside of me I love that so much (laughs) um I mean I know I so I so so similarly, like my family is Catholic. Um, um, like my mom, my mom grew up in a Catholic family. They're Italian and yeah. French, and and just so there's that whole. I've got like that whole baggage. Yeah. Um, I don't even want to call it baggage though, because like at this point, I'm I'm like at this point where it's like, oh, so like mm-hmm. that's where I can get mysticism from, yeah. and that's where I can get like powerful female symbolism from right. um and in in ways that like my tradition doesn't provide me right. so um I, I i i love what you said about um about being able to sort of hold both of these yeah. hold both of these things and 
and and have both of them in some way be present yeah. within you. Um, and I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I guess like the, the 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 question that I really want to to get a handle around is like, how do you pray? Where do you pray? With mm. whom do you pray? <laughs> okay, so this is gonna be um, a doozy. Okay, mm-hmm. so I the other day <laughs> I walked into the library and I sat down with a friend who um, is a, a Muslim man and I. I just started crying because I don't think I know how to pray anymore. And I think I used to. Um, And I think that I'm, I think I'm afraid to pray because I think I'm afraid to call out and to not be answered. And um, so that's been something that I've, I've really been struggling with and, I mean, there's so many different dimensions here. I mean, one of them is like, who are you praying to? I mean, it's very, I mean, and I, and what, what actions and what words do you label as prayer? Because in Judaism, there, there are certain prayers that you say at specific times. And one prayer that I try to, to say in the morning by myself, um, and Judaism isn't, Really, it's Judaism's a team sport, as we like to say. You need ten Jews in traditional spheres. You need ten men, but you in in my spaces, you need ten Jews to come together. And there's a teaching that the divine presence is already there. You just need to invite it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a prayer called Modeani, which is um, thanking God for returning your soul to you in the morning. And I live with pretty debilitating anxiety and um when i and it ebbs and flows and when i wake up in the morning and i can allow myself to step out of it um and to say those words it feels it feels like a coming together and there have been times where i've said it where i've woken up and it feels like i'm like um coming up for air from water and you know like uh like a relief and i want to yeah i want to separate also something So there's a really wonderful rabbi named Dania Ruttenberg who um, wrote a book called Nurture the Wow, um, which is about Judaism and parenting, which I love, even though I don't have kids. Um, Let me just say that so my mom doesn't listen to this and (laughs) thinks she's a grandma. Um, And and she talks about how prayer is something we give to God, but blessings in Judaism are something we give to each other. Even though a lot of the Jew, a lot of the Jewish blessings start Baruch Atadonai, so blessed are you, God. It, we say them to to each other like it's it's a communal thing. I was just said at a Jewish conference this weekend. We said to feel a haderek or the traveler's prayer when we got on the bus from the airport, and we said before we left, and we were talking to God. But there was something communal about it. So about I'm going to say three years ago, I was walking home from a bodega in New York. And for those of you who don't know what a bodega is, it's like a little deli. Um, and I was I was follow, I was getting followed home, and I was getting catcalled, and it was. And I, I was really upset and none of my friends were answering their phone. So I just pulled out my phone and I started writing a blessing, um, which I can read actually, yeah. if you are yeah. into it. So yeah. this is called the Bodega Bracha. Blesses are you, blessed are you, Adonai, who has lovingly stitched me into a body with luscious and overflowing curves. 
Help me to rely on my legs, my neshama, or my soul, as firmly rooted in you as a palm tree in Lebanon. Forgive my tongue when it drips with venom at the men who whistle and purr, laugh and point at the counter of the bodega, their hands wandering my body without touch, as though I have approved this union already. Draw me closer to you as I pull my jacket around my body, so lovingly created by you, to love and cry and pray and dance, to be mine and mine alone. Make your voice louder in my ears. Help me to find the holiness in this lost moment. In this lost moment, allow me to regain my breath. Root me in this moment within me, within you. So, I um, I put out this, I and I, I kind of let that sit for a little while, and it just. What happened was, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, it it transformed that moment into something that was holy. Um, it it I think it lassoed God into the moment is how I imagine it. Um, and being like, no, I need you here now. And then last year I was in a feminist avant-garde poetics class because hashtag senior year of college at liberal arts school. And we had to do a poetry project for this for the final. And I and I decided to put this out and to ask my friends to join in with me. And the call was for people to take a moment that required sanctification and to write something about it. So I have friends who wrote blessings for taking plan B, for um, for seizing the moment. I have friends who wrote stuff about um, a blessing for not having sex. I have uh, friends who wrote blessings for having sex, for um, having stretch marks, for all these things. And it's it's definitely in this. Um, I called it a feminist blessing book again because I believe that feminism is is a liberatory practice. Um, that and I believe that and there were folks of all genders who you know all different types of genders who who were included in that project and. It was really, really special, and um, and it, it's definitely in the same vein as there's a, a practice called tachins, which are were, were Yiddish prayers that women would write, um, and also there are really incredible women like Marsha Falk in the Jewish tradition who have you know created new blessings. But I I think that where where I'm trying to pick up the practice is that I, I believe that feminism is a liber- liberating practice and a liberating theological tool that we can use for um, not just women, you know, the, and I think that that, so I think that I'm hoping that my practice with blessings will lead me to back to prayer eventually because I'm pretty fearless when it comes to blessings. I, I want that to go back to God.
Thanks for listening to episode two of AbbeyCast. Our guest today was Emily Rogal. The music that we used in this episode is a piece called Lincoln's Nikun. It's performed by Joey Weisenberg, and it's available on his album, Brooklyn Spirituals. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you in the Abbey again soon. (laughs) 